Evening football fans, welcome to the show. 30 minutes of football talk coming up. The CFL, big day today, took the next step to a return to the field in 2021. The moratorium on football operations has been lifted by the league. Teams can now start to make football-related moves and start to adjust their rosters. No major moves made today. The Red Blacks signed a few players. Uh, let's see, the Calgary Stampeders signed a player as well. But the biggest news today came at the general manager level, the BC Lions announced that head coach Rick Campbell and director of football operations Neil McAvoy will act as co-general managers this season. That tandem will replace Ed Hervey, who resigned suddenly a few months back. The Double E also made an announcement today. VP of football and general manager Brock Sunderland gets a contract extension that takes him through the 2023 season. You heard Sunderland earlier tonight on Inside Sports with Reed. Uh, this is the Double E Coaches Show with Scott Milanovic. Let's bring in the coach now and say good evening, Scott. How you doing? I'm good, Molly. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, first off, let's uh, address Brock's contract extension, which uh, I guess was signed a while ago but announced today by the football club. Uh, nice to know for you that the guy who hired you is going to be around for a while? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, um, that's, important. that's an important thing for any coach. You, you know, you want to be, uh, be with the guy that brought you on, and obviously Brock and I have a relationship, so... Um, yeah, just our contracts kind of fitting together. Uh, that works out nicely. It's a good way to do things, I think. You haven't played a game yet as a coach of the Double E, so you haven't really developed that working relationship fully yet with Brock. But how important is that for a coach and a GM to always be on the same page? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're always going to be on the same page. Um, the, the most important thing is that there's great communication between the two of you and and we have that. Um, I don't think either of us are, are afraid to to disagree with the other, and and I think that's also a good thing. But um, the fact that you know the, the fact that we know each other, the fact that we're not afraid to speak our mind and, and get things out in the open, and you know what you don't want is people tiptoeing around each other and and letting things drift. So um, we can just talk normally, like like you would with uh, your buddy at the bar about what we think, and and then at the end of the day we figure out the best uh, the best way to get to the bottom of yeah i guess really when you think about it in any pro sport the coach and the gm they're, they're kind of working together and, and kind of at odds at times too because uh it seems to me gms their job is more the big picture coach's job is more the little picture and sometimes those two don't match up a lot yeah it can be tough um not from a relationship standpoint, but you're looking at things sometimes from different sides. Uh, you know, GM's looking for um, size, speed, money's involved. You know, coaches, we just want the best player. We don't care how much he costs. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's you know, there might be a guy that you know there might be a guy that Brock likes, and and I don't think he he fits in our system. And there might be a guy that I want that's like, yeah, he's good, but we can't afford him. So. Um, it's kind of a good checks and balances system, I think, when, when you have different, uh, not different agendas, but kind of different different lens that you're looking at the team through. What's the year been like for you and Brock uh, working as coach and general manager without a season taking place? Uh, it's been interesting. It was normal for, for a while. Um, he and I, you know, we were in contact a lot. Um, you know, talking about personnel, talking about staff, um, talking about, you know, things like, like you and I spoke about last week, like, like if we were in the bubble, you know, should we have a quarterback that we, that we keep in the hotel and, and completely keep him away from everybody else. So, um, I like to, you know, a big part of what I like to do is have a lot of communication with guys. So I like, 
things come up even with the coaches. Like I'll be watching a game on Sunday and a situation, like a clock management situation will come up. And uh, I'll shoot it to the coaches, get their opinions. But I shoot it to Brock also because I want to want to see where his mind is on some of these things. And, you know, the more you communicate, the less surprises there are on, on game day. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. The moratorium uh, lifted today by the Canadian Football League. You guys obviously have known this has been coming for a, a week or so, I'm sure. Uh, what's it been like the last week or so talking more about football and, and more tangible things and, and, uh, when you discuss the roster heading into the 2021 season? Has it been kind of a, a different week for you? Uh, not a whole lot is concerned, um, you know, with with players being able to be signed today um i don't i don't know that there's going to be the mad rush i think you'll see probably quite a few maybe u.s players signed right away but um i think team's still trying to trying to get a grasp on on all the things like the cap and and what we're gonna be able to play guys and you know organizationally what what uh how it's going to fit into our budgets and all that sort of stuff so it hasn't really affected me this week i know it will here here in the very near future uh, not a lot of moves made around the league today uh, on the first day. Obviously, by the sounds of your last answer, that didn't surprise you much. No, no, I didn't. I didn't expect a lot. I mean, you're, like I said, there's there, you know, there's going to be a lot of U.S. guys. I think that you're you're wanting to see, uh, or that that people have been wanting to sign for quite a while. Um, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, I know our first priority is going to be to re-sign our free agents, and how quickly, <clears throat> excuse me, how quickly that can get done. I think, uh, you know, remains to be seen, but uh, we've got a lot of them um, and we'll be in contact. I'm sure Brock will be in contact with those guys if he hasn't been already, but uh, um, hopefully we can get as many of them back as we, as, as we can. 47 free agents, most of any team in the league, 47. That's more than you put on a roster. Uh, that sounds like a real daunting task to deal with over the next uh, couple of months before February 9th and complete free agency hits. Uh, what's the approach for the team? Well, again, I mean, you're going to end up having your priority, guys, and, and some of it becomes. Uh, and again, I'm speaking for Brock, which I shouldn't do, but you, you have to put everything within it in, in your salary cap. And okay, uh, I'm just looking at a few names here: Botang, Diggs, Tuggle, uh, Mondo, Ellington, Rogers, Shaq Cooper, Tavon. So all these guys are starters. Both specialists are starters. So um, you kind of got to see who your priorities are in order i think and then uh trickle down the list and start talking i'm sure brock's going to start talking to agents and and seeing what kind of money people are talking about and then and then there's decisions to be made so i think that's ultimately why you know you might not see anything real quick as as much as people would like to see it there's every team's got a lot of free agents now now that the one-year deals are, are involved and so um everybody's kind of balancing that same thing do you play a role in this uh do you talk to players do you help recruit players uh while this free agency period with your own free agents is is underway right now as you as you try to get some of the guys back in the fold what's your role in this yeah just that uh reaching out to players just you know letting them know how i see them you know a lot of a lot of times especially if they haven't played for you like our players haven't played for me just kind of give them an idea of how i see them and, and you know they want to know where they fit and and how we would use them and and um you know kind of kind of what the mentality is or what the coaching staff thinks of them so um i try to let them know uh what i what i think and how i think they're going to fit in and 
you know, how much we want him back. And then um, <clears throat> as a staff, I mean, it's Brock's decision ultimately, but uh, we talk about, we talk about needs and, you know, who's the, who's the biggest priorities and where we go next and things like that. You mentioned uh, players haven't played for you, obviously, uh, as, as you haven't had a game uh, since you became head coach. But there's also some players, and, and they're kind of in a unique situation, who, who signed one-year deals last year uh, coming from another franchise and never got to play this year. Do they get treated any differently? Do you, do you look at them in, in a different light? I'm, I'm thinking about guys like, like Justin Tuggle and, and Terry Williams and Stang, but even Sir Vincent Rogers, who's been here for two years now and has never played a game for the Green and Gold. Uh, do those guys, is, is it harder to evaluate, harder to make? maybe make a decision on, on bringing those guys back than, than say, other guys that you know and have played for the team before? Not for me because they haven't played for me. You know, it may be, it may be harder for Brock or if, or if I had been with some of these guys for a couple of years and then we were bringing new guys in. Um, that might be more difficult because you do have relationships. You have gone to battle with them and, and had success. Or, so, But for me, they're all new. I mean, some of them, like... Uh, like Sir Vincent, I coached in Toronto, so I know him. And it helps to know, you know, it helps to have Trevor that I've coached, and so, um, you know, those guys can can also help give the the other. Tavon Smith was was here in Jacksonville for a minute. Those guys can give the rest of the players like an idea of maybe what they can expect, and hopefully, it's good things that they're telling them. Yeah, uh, I, I think I w- I've been thinking about this, and I think maybe one of the most important decisions general managers and, and teams are going to have to make this year is about those players who are in the twilight of their careers, those guys who are maybe in their early to mid thirties, and and you got to find out did a year off uh, make them rusty and and take away that full step that maybe they were starting to lose, or did it rejuvenate them and, and give them a, a second lease on a career? Uh, is that going to be a tough decision? Do you, do you think to make for a lot of players? Yeah, I think that's a great point that you make. Um, the guys that are getting towards the end, you know, did it did it push them over the edge, or, or like you said, was the year off good for them? And um, it's a tough call to make. You know, I think you you kind of go back to to the character, the work ethic of the player, if you know it, um, if you have experience with that guy. I think you have a feel for for the kind of competitor and and. Um, their ability maybe to come back from injury and things like that. So those are difficult. Those are difficult decisions to make, and they're particularly difficult if you don't have history with the player. For sure. All right, we've talked the last couple of weeks uh, about your coaching staff and putting the finishing touches on that. Are you any closer to making that official moving forward tonight? Yeah, I got um, I got some clarification last week. So. We discussed um, a couple months ago. I had to release two guys uh, from our staff that we had last year, and then um, unfortunately this week I found out that um, that we're going to have to release two more guys. So, uh, long story short, we're going to be heading into um, we're going to be heading into January with six coaches, including myself. Now I have been told there's a good chance I'm going to be able to rehire two of them on kind of a seasonal basis once training camp starts. But, uh, yeah, that was a tough hit to, to take. Obviously, it wasn't something I was thrilled about. But, um, you know, these are tough times. There's there's plenty of people in our organization and, and in organizations across the league that that are losing their jobs, and, and we all know why, and the COVID and the, the budget and all those things. So um, we're going to find our way to, to, to push through it, and guys are going to have to pick up the slack and, and do a little bit more. Sounds like uh, longer hours for some guys who already work some long hours. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the def- we're going to have to be really efficient. We had a meeting today about it, kind of digging up responsibilities from those we've lost. And uh, you're going to have to be really efficient. And there's going to be things that, um, you know, that, that are going to get pushed to the side, things that are non-football. And uh, um, because the guys, are, they're just not going to have enough time to, to do everything otherwise. So um, probably extended everybody's day by a couple of hours. But, um, you know, you go from being a little upset about the whole situation to being thankful that you have a job in this day and age in, in football and doing something that we love. And, and um, we'll make no excuses. I mean, we expect to win, and these guys will be well coached. And if we only end up going into the season with six coaches, that's not going to change. I, I expect that we'll get two more by the time the season starts. But, uh I'm really thrilled with the guys I got. They're not finalized. We still have – we have Noel Thorpe is going to be back. He's under contract. AJ, our special teams coordinator, is going to be back. And then we have contracts out to uh, Winston October, who was our receivers coach and pass game coordinator, uh, John McDonnell, who was the offensive line coach, and uh, Demetrius Maxey, who was the D-line coach. So I feel great about those guys. I feel great about all of the guys, but I feel great about those guys. And hopefully we'll get those last three signed and uh, – can hit the ground run here come January. I guess football is no different from any other business in this uh, in this time we're going through in 2020 with uh, with the pandemic. Uh, everything costs money, and there's just no money around to 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 be handed out right now in so many businesses. And I guess, like I say, football is no different. Uh, Scott, hang tight. We're going to take a break. Be back with uh, with more. You're listening to the Double E Coaches Show with Scott Milanovic on 6:30. Chet. Monday Night Football tonight uh, in Arizona, San Francisco, and Buffalo. The Bills lead the 49ers by a score of uh, 17-7. They're early in the third quarter of that game in uh, Arizona because of COVID restrictions now put in place uh, in uh, the, uh, I guess it's Santa Clara region where the 49ers stadium is. So Buffalo leads 17-7, looking for their ninth win of the year. Washington beat Pittsburgh this afternoon, 23-17. The Steelers' first loss of the year. They fall to 11-1, and and... Uh, Washington goes to five and seven. They are tied for first with the New York Giants in the NFC East. Uh, game tomorrow in the NFL. Dallas is at Baltimore. We bring uh, back in uh, head coach of the Double E, Scott Milanovic. Uh, Scott, uh, talking NFL right now. I guess it, it looks like things finally caught up uh, to the Steelers. I don't think they've been playing as well in the last couple of weeks as they have been earlier in the season. I don't know if you caught any of the game today, but they had uh, they had trouble on offense. Their receivers uh, have uh, butterfingers the last couple of weeks, and uh, uh, they just didn't deserve to win again today. No, I didn't see it. I did see their game last week, and I thought they dropped a few passes. But uh, yeah, they've um, you know they lost Dupree, and they've lost their middle linebacker, and they've kind of skated through. And they're well coached, and, and Ben's played well. But you know the the whole Wednesday to Monday thing in the NFL. I don't know what the the Redskins or I guess they're not the Redskins anymore. But Washington's schedule was like. But I think they probably had a seven or an eight day week and it's those things are a huge factor and um yeah it didn't surprise me honest i didn't think that they would win the game but i thought uh, i thought washington would at the very least keep it close so pittsburgh's a good team they'll, they'll they'll come back but um um they're gonna get a little better at their short yardage three games in 12 days it's kind of a cfl schedule uh, but something that the nfl teams are not very used to no, they're really not. And, you know, we had a handful of, I should say a handful. We had, when I was in Jacksonville, I think we had two Thursday night games. So that was kind of like one of our short weeks in the CFL. And, and um, <laughs> it was different, you know, and 
I don't know how most teams in the league do it now, but you get in the CFL and you get used to handling that. And it's really all about getting the players' legs back. And when I was in Toronto and here in Edmonton, we will we won't practice almost at all. We, we may have we may have twenty plays of practice one day uh, in, a, in a short week, and it's just because with the experience that you get from playing in those short weeks, really what it comes down to is. <laughs> whose legs feel better and uh, um, you got to do everything you can to bring those back I think and so um, NFL is kind of catching up now I guess with all the all the Thursday night games now but um, that we certainly do uh, we certainly did a lot more activity in Jacksonville than I was used to I got to ask you about the uh, the decision by the New York Jets yesterday on uh, on the final play of the game against the Raiders. And again, I don't know. I'm not sure if you saw it or not. You probably saw the highlights or not. But in the situation they were in, basically the last play of the game uh, from midfield, uh, they sent the house instead of protecting uh, the end zone and playing in a prevent defense. Were you surprised by that? And and I guess the domino fell today with Greg Williams being fired as defensive coordinator. But uh, everyone seemed pretty shocked with that. I didn't like the call. Uh, I would have been highly upset at, uh, at Noel or Chris Jones or whoever <laughs> whoever was the defensive coordinator, but we would have discussed things like that too. You know, I wouldn't – it didn't surprise me because it's Greg Williams and he has a history and, and a reputation of, of being a zero blitz guy and, uh, you know, fly by the seat of your pants guy. But, um, yeah, that was – yeah, that was a – that was all you got to do is sit back and keep it in front of you there. I mean, that would have been my comment to the defensive coordinator. Hey, hey, let's just keep him in front of us here. You know, we don't need to do anything crazy here. And so totally, um, that was, totally different. That totally was different too. If you're if you're five and five, but when you're zero and eleven and looking for your first win and it's right there for you, and then you just just let it slip through your fingers like that. That's uh, heartbreaking for a lot of people. Oh gosh, the players. I mean. Coaches too. You know, it, nobody wants to be a part of that. Nobody wants. To, I still, I still swear that maybe my best win ever as a coach was when I was in Calgary, believe it or not, and um, when Jim Barker was the head coach. We were playing Hamilton, and um, they hadn't won, and it was late in the season. I don't know. I don't remember their record, but it was. They certainly had double digit losses. They were like zero and ten or zero and thirteen, and and we were playing Kevin Federick, and. Um, God, I mean the, the pressure of not being the team to lose or to to lose to the un, to the team that doesn't have any wins was just monumental. So it's the same thing on the other side. I imagine I've never been on that side of it. Thank God. But I mean, you just got you don't want to be over, and it's happened a couple of times. But uh, to lose it that way, that must have been heartbreaking for those players and coaches. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Scott. Uh, appreciate your time as <laughs> always. Uh, have yourself a good week, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again uh, one week from today in the coaches show. Okay, morning. Thanks. Great stuff. Uh, Scott Milanovic, the head coach of the Double E Football Club, joins us every Monday night here uh, on 6.30, Chet, at 7.30. We're back in a week to talk more football. Maybe we'll have some player moves to talk about in a week's time. Uh, free agency doesn't start until February 9th, but as Scott mentioned, teams are trying to sign their own free agents right now, their own pending free agents. And for the Eskimos, uh, that's a big list. Uh, guys like Botang, Sewell, Diggs. Ellingson, O'Donnell, both kickers, Tavon Smith. There's a long list of starters who need to be signed by the Double E Football Club moving forward. So we'll see if uh, anything happens uh, during the week. Uh, thanks to uh, Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer tonight for the Double E Coaches uh, Show. My name's Morley Scott. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning on 6:30. Ched Mornings with Chelsea and Shay. Good night, everybody.